But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who, with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marvelling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all these things, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels, who said that he was still alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road 
while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has indeed risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Thank you very much. Again, thank you for inviting us. It is a thrill to be here and share fellowship and also God's word with you. If you've got your Bibles open at Luke 24, you'll see this is Luke's account of the resurrection and how Luke finishes off his little book or letter to his friend Theophilus and putting together these, these wonderful events that have happened. And of course, for many people, they look at the, the resurrection accounts, it is just like a jigsaw of pieces, all jumbled up. Looking like they, they make no sense, how to put them together. When you do try to put them together, they can seem like they contradict each other. One person saying, I saw two angels, one saying there was one angel, and it looks like there's a mass of contradictions. Actually, the truth is, when you take the accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and put them together properly, lay them out properly, it makes perfect sense. It's one picture, there's no contradictions. You understand kind of where the different writers are coming from and the, the angles of the story that they're taking our attention towards. And we see just what's going on. This claim that Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. He's, he's there no more. And then, of course, we see as we read on through that, that Jesus appeared to many, many witnesses. He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to others. And any theory might be that it was just a vision. It was just their grief overcoming them. And they would they see what they wanted to see. But it's dispelled as you read the accounts. They had a meal with this risen Lord Jesus. They, they were able to touch him, his physical body. He was very much alive. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that over 500 believers saw Jesus at the same time. And he makes it very clear, some are still alive. If you're reading this, go and speak to yourself, interrogate them. Ask them questions, they'll verify. They have seen Jesus. We have seen Jesus. There was no doubting the resurrection accounts. But there was for some, of course. Peter and John, they ran down to the tomb. They wanted to see for themselves what these women were saying. They saw the grave clothes. They believed. Thomas, he wasn't so sure. He held out, of course, and he said, unless I can touch him myself, I won't believe Jesus appeared. Thomas, seeing the scars, fell on his knees. My Lord, my Master, my God, he cried out. And then these two disciples, walking on this road to Emmaus, Overcome with grief, trying to understand the puzzle of what's happened. Their Messiah has died. His friend they spent time with is dead. And some now are saying the grave is empty. Some are saying angels have appeared. Some are saying he's alive. And in their grief they're trying to understand what's going on. What's going on. And so you can picture what's going on as, as a stranger draws up alongside them. And begins to talk with them. And as I see it here, Luke's kind of written kind of five movements to the story for us. If it was a Hollywood movie, the kind of camera angle shifts, and there's five kind of key things going on, which I find quite challenging to the story. But as I look at your accounts, I look at my own life as a, as a witness, as a disciple of Jesus, as somebody who wants to share good news. Do I see these movements playing out in my life and in the ministry I'm involved in? So let's go through them and challenge ourselves as well 
as we see them. The first movement is the meeting. We see the meeting, first of all, verses 13 to 16. Verses 13 to 16. Two travellers walking along, talking about all that's happened. Maybe they'd seen some of the miracles for themselves. Maybe they'd been there at some of the key events of Jesus' life. Maybe they'd been ringside of the cross. Well, they'd certainly been around close enough to understand what had happened. Their dream was over. Shattered. Their dream of enjoying this Messiah's so-called kingdom was now gone. Which they really believed was going to happen. As they're walking along, heading away from Jerusalem, talking with each other, and aware of a stranger not too far away. You can sense how well they're feeling. There's somebody there. He's drawing alongside, he's listening to our conversation, and then he interrupts. Can I join in? Can I walk with you? And so the meeting happens. The stranger and these two people walking along. It's not clear from from the text how Jesus hides himself from them or why they don't recognise him at first, but they don't. It's a stranger who they meet with and who's interrupted their conversation who walks along with them. And then Luke moves us from this meeting to the talking. This group of people now talking with each other. Verses 17 to 24, we read that together. They're talking. And at first they seem shocked as they talk with this stranger that Seemingly, even though he's been from Jerusalem too, he knows nothing of the events that have taken place. The whole city's talking about it. Jesus, the great miracle worker, the great prophet who lived amongst them, has died. He's been killed at the hands of the Romans, incited by the religious mob, the Jewish leaders who wanted him crucified. Wasn't everybody speaking about it? Why, why this stranger not realised what was going on. And verse 17 gives us the clues to what was going on on the faces of these two as they walked along and their faces were, were downcast. So you can almost hear it in their voices. They're sombre. They're upset as they recount the events that have taken place to this close friend of theirs who they'd spent time with. This close friend of theirs who they had a dream that he was going to be the the one to rid them of the Romans. The one who's going to be the great king, Messiah, promised by the prophets of old. They knew their Bibles, and they believed this was the man. And so to see the plan come to a cruel end was a shock to them, and a puzzle. Now who would bring peace to Israel with him gone? And there's reports coming out that the tomb is empty. Who's taken the body? Where is the body? What would they want to do with it? Some are saying he might have come back to life. And that doesn't happen. See, they've not understood, have they, in their following Jesus and spending time with him, that the cross was always the plan. They were looking forward to a Messiah, a king, a crown, but without the cross. They've not realised that Jesus knew the cross was always God's plan. He was going to suffer. He was going to die. He was going to rise again. He knew that. At least three times we read of that in the Gospels. Jesus plainly tries to speak to his disciples and explain this to them. But they're not really listening. Because they're not really understanding. They've got their own picture of the kind of kingship Jesus will have over Israel. And how Jerusalem will be the capital. He'll have his throne. And the Romans will be dealt with. 
That's their plan of Messiah. But they've misunderstood their Old Testaments. They've misunderstood these prophecies that speak of Messiah coming as king, yes, but as a suffering servant. Messiah must first suffer. Jesus knew that. He knew the plan. The cross was always plan A. But they misunderstood that as they talked and walked with this stranger. And so it's important for us to realise and remember that Jesus wasn't killed by the Romans as these two men might have thought. Jesus gave up his life freely and willingly. There was no nails, there was no spears, there was no Roman cross that killed him. He cried out, it is finished. He'd done the work he came to do, the saving work he came to do on the cross. He gave up his life, he bowed his head, he breathed his last. He fulfilled the plan he came to do. And these two travellers, they were blind to this. And they needed their eyes opening to see the truth of what Jesus had come to do for them. And so moving on from that meeting and talking, the third kind of movement is we had a time of explaining. A time of explaining, verses 25 to 27. We had Jesus explaining to them how the scriptures have always pointed to the real Messiah. The one who died on that cross in Jerusalem. And uh, it's one of those final moments. If I could travel back in time, I'd love to go there. This must have been an amazing, amazing journey. To have Jesus himself giving a, as it were, a Bible overview. Unpacking the Old Testament and showing how every story speaks of him. Every story whispers his name. Taking them right back to the writings of Moses. Right back to the Garden of Eden. And maybe speaking of this theme of exile. And showing what's happened and showing how through Moses and his writings and the prophets and their writings, it's all spoken of the Messiah. And they've missed some of the clues. They've missed what had to happen. But this man who died on a cross outside Jerusalem, he fulfilled everything that was expected of God's chosen and promised king. As Jesus walked along, he showed these travellers this. He explained all these events to them and showed God's plan was fulfilled at Calvary. Now the rescue of Israel they hoped for had been achieved, but more than that. Gentiles too could be brought in. The whole world. And it wasn't going to be a kingdom for a short period of time, but a kingdom for eternity. And Messiah would rule over. And it wasn't too late then to be part of it. Jesus explained this to them. That Satan's rule was over. And rescue was possible for people. In heaven or in his glory, as Jesus described it in verse 26, he would know his, his own glory. And so this explaining takes place with these strangers on the road. And then the movement moves to a revealing. The crucial part of the story. The part that no person had control over. This was Jesus' work. He revealed himself to them. Verses 28 to 32 we read this together, that the two, they, they, they go along and they invite this stranger to have a meal with them. They sit down and they, it looks like the discussions are going to continue. But as the stranger takes bread, they realise something. Perhaps they've been present at a previous meal with Jesus. Perhaps they've heard him pray on previous occasions. But something about the way he spoke and gave thanks and handled that food, the revealing came. It was him, Jesus, standing there in front of them. 
It was him, Jesus, who had been walking and talking alongside them. It was him, Jesus, alive. They were seeing him for themselves. It was true. The reports they'd heard, it's true. Jesus was alive. But in an instant, as we read, he was gone. As they understood this, he was gone from their presence. And of course, all they're left with is the choice. What are they going to do with this new information that's been revealed to them? Do they reject it? Do they seek to explain their way as we must be grieving, we must still be just struggling here and something resonated but it's, it's gone in a moment? Do they cast doubt upon it or accept it? This truth that's been presented to them, the risen Jesus, would they accept it? And verse 32 shows us their response, this beautiful, beautiful phrase, that their hearts are burned within them, they say. Didn't our hearts burn within us as we walked and talked with him, and as he explained scriptures to us, as he brought the Bible stories to life, as he showed it was all about Jesus, as he showed us God's plan, our hearts burned within us. The response is, and they believe. And they're going to do something about it. They now know this good news is real. And they want to go and tell us this good news. And so that's the next movement. The revealing has come. And as it were a time of celebrating. A time of joy has come to them. As they head back towards Jerusalem. Taking this good news with them. Verses 33 to 35. They've got a spring in their step. It's true. Is the cry on their lips now. The Lord has risen. And from that moment of course their lives would never be the same again. It's an amazing story. I love it. And I love teaching the story to children on camp and showing them that's what we're seeking to do on camp. We're seeking to take time out of their normal lives and the things they get involved in. We want to introduce them to Jesus. Help them explore these wonderful truths about the Christian message. We want them to meet with Jesus whilst with us on a camp. To find time on camp to be time where they can talk about the things of Jesus. Have explained the things of Jesus. And we pray he might reveal himself to them. And we might celebrate. Celebrate new birth, new life for those who would put their trust in Jesus. We want to see these movements as part of our ministry. And so we try to explain that to the, to the team at the beginning of every single year. Whoever the team member is, whatever role they normally play on a camp... All of us, as Christians, all of us have responsibility to be talking about Jesus. To be seeking to make him known, pointing people towards him, sharing good news. And that's true for all of us here too, isn't it? We want to be those who meet with people, spend time with them, and in meeting with them, want to introduce them to Jesus. Our friend, our Lord, our Saviour. Spending time with them, gaining their trust, sharing life with them. We want to talk spiritual things with people. And we say this to our team very, very clearly. Talk about Jesus. Whilst you're having a meal with him, people, whilst playing a game of pool, whilst on the field outside, in a very natural way, just talk about the things that are important to you. The things that excite you. And that's Jesus. Talk about Jesus with young people. Allow them to ask questions. Allow them to find out more. Allow them to say, well, these are things I struggle with. 
These are the bits of the puzzle I can't quite put together. Talk with them, listen to them, and explain. Take time to explain God's plan of salvation through Jesus. And we find camp is a great place to do that. Why? Because, well, if children go to a midweek club, which is great in churches, it's an hour a week. And then it's a whole week to forget what has been taught. Or a week comes and then they can't go along because something's happening with the family. And they, they miss the teaching and the consecutive nature of it. But on camp, we've got them for a period of time. They, they come along to all of the teaching sessions. There's time in between the teaching sessions to talk about what's being learned and what's being discussed. Time to discuss and, and raise objections to things, if there are any. But there's time on camp to consider the claims of the Christian message. And so we find camp is a great place for you people to explore the Christian message. And so when I go around and talk to people and hear their testimonies, their stories, how they came to faith, it's no surprise that lots of people say it was on a camp. Or it was on a a house party or a weekend away or a a conference. It was when they had space to consider and think about things and come to that decision themselves. A lot of people find camps a helpful place to come into Christ. And so it's exciting to be part of such a great ministry where we explain the gospel clearly on every single camp. And we do pray. We pray hard for that revealing. We know we can't force any person to become a Christian. It's a work of the Lord. Would you reveal yourself to these people, Jesus? Would you open their eyes and show them the truth that we can celebrate? And we do give God the glory when it does happen. And so recently we've had young people become Christians on camps. A boy who um, doesn't go on to a church because of sports and other things on a Sunday, but has come to a few camps and spending time talking with the team members, he realises he needs to put Jesus first in his life. And he became a Christian. A girl who said very clearly to her, her dorm leaders, her group leader, uh, I'm really waiting until after school to take Christianity seriously. You know, I'm busy now with school and things, but... In hearing the, the talks, in looking at God's word, she realised the urgency. And there and then on camp, became a Christian. And another girl whose, whose mum was battling with cancer. And it, she had confessed it, it made her feel very angry towards God and she struggled with things. But again on camp, she talked these things through with somebody who could help her. And pointed to Jesus and showed there was hope in him. And she put trust in Jesus. And it's a thrill when young people do that. So we do celebrate and we do give God the glory. Then the question comes down to us, let alone the minister involved in what about me? Where am I in this, in this story? Which of these kind of movements am I at at the moment? Am I somebody who's still at the kind of meeting stage or the talking stage? Am I the, I'm needing things explained to this stage? I'm trying to understand and resonate with the things of Jesus. Well, it's asked Jesus to reveal himself to me. Is there a prayer you would pray? Jesus, open my eyes. Ask him to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. And see him do that. Maybe with a celebrating stage. Maybe with a stage these disciples found themselves at where you have a spring in your step, good news on your lips, and a burning desire within you that says, I've got to tell other people this. I've got to share this good news. Is that a stage you're at? And do that. May God bless you as you do it. And you tell people that Jesus is alive and share good news with them. Come and do it on your camps. Come and help us do it. Do it here with the church family here. Do it in your streets. 
do with your family at home, do wherever you are, seek to share good news with people, because Jesus is alive. Let me pray, I pray that we would do that, we would find him revealing himself to people in and through us as we seek to be faithful to that calling. We do thank you Lord Jesus for this wonderful truth that not just comes from scripture, but we see in history the tomb is empty. No explanation has been given as to why that is, where the body is, except of the reality that Jesus came back to life. We thank you for the experience of the early disciples in seeing the risen Jesus and in, in coming to put their trust in him, even to um, the detriment of their own deaths as they gave their own lives to uphold this truth and to seek to share with other people. Thank you for those who brought it to our shores here in the UK, for those who shared it with us in years gone by, those who held out hope for us that sin and death and judgment, they're not the end we have to look forward to, but there's forgiveness and life through the Lord Jesus. And we do pray that we be those who truly believe this and have truly learned this in our own lives, and with it, would take this good news and want to share with other people. It would never be something we hold on to for ourselves or keep, as it were, private, but it's something that bubbles up from within us. Good news we feel compelled to share in a lost and dying world around about us. We pray for the work of Yorkshire Camps as they seek to do with boys and girls, and the work of Bethel Church here as they seek to share with the people of Otley and beyond. That upper and lower Wharfdale would hear of the Lord Jesus and respond to him in faith, trusting in him and knowing the salvation he offers to each and every one of us. For praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.